0: Lord with you this morning. Um, I remember there was a time when I was in the Army, I was a chaplain in the Army for eight years and we were out in basically the swamps of of eastern Georgia um, and it was kind of a day like today, uh, really hot and and sweaty. I was not in a nice blue Hawaiian shirt and shorts, um, but I I remember that, that morning, that Sunday morning and pulling out my guitar and it was kind of, there was not many folks around and I just started singing and kind of worshiping the Lord, and, and slowly people came, and it was just such a joy uh, just to be outside with them that morning, just as it is to be with you today, uh, and it has at least some circulation of air with those fans, um, but it is, it is good to be here this morning. Last week we talked uh, about a lot of things, and over these past couple weeks, and we had some interaction, and you guys were a part of that, uh, with some questions and some, uh, some interaction. We talked about loving your neighbor. We talked about loving yourself, which, by the way, in our day and age, uh, is not something that is a guarantee that everybody does uh, in in the fact of of life and living their life. It's important to to live in this tension as we wrestled with last week, as thoughts were shared about caring for yourself and and that important part of self-care, and yet also caring for others, And, and living in this place of saying, okay, Lord, how do I... How do I do this in the sense that I'm caring for myself, this body that you've given me, but I'm also reaching out to others. And there is a tension uh, that we live in. And, and, and as I was thinking about these ideas this past week, I was thinking about those in society who have, have really been alienated in some way. I was thinking about my the neighbors that, that maybe I have or that you have that, that maybe don't have those support that that maybe don't have those people around them to show them that love, to reach out to them like we do as a part of this community, as a part of this this people that that we get to to fellowship with weekly. There's many people in in our society that have been hurt in some way. Emotionally, hurt spiritually, often through words, maybe through actions. They didn't experience the, the love of Christ that, that we get to experience each day. It's interesting because Anthony and I were talking about this this week, and, and we were talking about how God's wired us and, and how our wiring impacts our, our functions and how we serve. And, and it's exciting to be in conversation with someone and continue to understand and grow and in in understand how God has gifted me and how God has gifted others and how diverse we are. And as I was finishing. Kind of this, and, and you know, these words I was putting in paper, and I, I gained this even greater insight into the fact that that my heart, that, that the way that God has wired me, my heart hurts and has compassion for people that are are hurting and broken, and it's really what informs my understanding even of evangelism. It informs how I I see people that that don't yet know. Or people that have, have walked with Christ in the past, but now have, have walked away from Him. And, and God has given me that just that, that sense of compassion, that desire to, to just see them in a different way. And so, so this morning, as we kind of look at these, these different ideas of who is our neighbor, you're going to get, obviously, the glimpse of, of how God has wired me. And, and not that, that you are me, but hopefully, you know, that, that the Lord uses that to... To kind of open your hearts in, in new and in different ways. And, and again, I think that's the beauty of of a multiplicity of, of people that, that get to share because we're all wired so differently. We have different experiences and different ways that God has, has gifted us. And so as, we, as I get to hear from others, I, I get a new perspective. And it, it is good for me to get a new perspective. So, so as I think about my neighbor, as I think about sharing the gospel, I think about the times that I was growing up. And I think about the emphasis that was on the gospel, on sharing the gospel, on the idea of evangelism. But, I, but as I remember back and I was thinking about this, I, I realized that rarely did the, the evangelistic message focus on the story of the person who was hearing the message. It, it wasn't it wasn't focused on the person that was listening. It was now it was theologically accurate. It was, you know, talked about the redemptive story of Christ. But it, it didn't it didn't it wasn't listening to the person that who was hearing the message. And so it, it often felt uncomfortable because I'm a relational person and I want to hear the story of other people and I want to be able to to share the good news of Christ based on their story, not based on just you know, a, a wonderfully, theologically accurate presentation, which is not bad. But in my case, I wanted to hear the story of the person. And so the Lord used many to present the gospel uh, in this fashion. And many people responded. And, and I saw people that would respond to the gospel. But sometimes I, I remember, you know, that we had conversations. And, and we would have conversations about people that didn't respond. And, and sometimes I wondered, you know, because sometimes kind of the, the answer was, well, well, the gospel must have been offensive to them. They must have not responded because the gospel was offensive to them, and it might have been. But I started to wrestle with it later on in my years. Well, I wonder if it was, if we were offensive to them. I wonder if the, the, the presentation, not, not the message itself, but I wonder if there's a time when the presenter could be offensive, and if that's what turns people away from the gospel in and of itself. And so I I began to wrestle with these ideas and and began to continue to understand more how God's made me and how he's wired me. And so this idea of my neighbor and this idea of of loving my neighbor and this idea of of connecting with my neighbor kind of changed throughout my years from from seeing somebody maybe as, as somebody that I would present information to to saying, Lord, how do you want me to show them love? How do you want them to experience the love that you've called them to? The love that you want to give them And so as we think about last week's message, for me, the idea of of living the message of Christ while also sharing the words of Christ, it it starts to bring up and it it begs the question for me, and that is, who is my neighbor? And generally speaking, how do I represent Christ to them? Who is my my neighbor? How do I represent the gospel to them? And I think it's a valid question that we all have to ask ourselves. Because the beauty of this is that, that your neighbors... The people, and I'll use that as in a quotes sense, your neighbors, the people that you interact with and respond to, are going to be a totally different group of people than all of interact with. And that's the, the beauty of, of coming together and, and this coming together and, and gathering and, and being equipped to share the good news of Christ. Because we all have different people that we come into contact with. So last week we kind of discussed some of the different ways that we can serve our neighbors. But again, I was confronted this week with the reality that my neighbor, again, it might be my direct neighbor right next to me on the other side, but my neighbor, those who I interact with, is probably hurting in some some way. They may not show it on the outside, but inside there's probably something that is hurting in their life. It may not be physical, but maybe in another capacity, in another way. Now, I'm not sure if you watch them, but I, I have come to, I was introduced to them a few years ago um, although time flies, I think it was probably nine years ago. Um, if you've ever watched a TED Talk, but I love TED Talks. If you've never watched a TED Talk, you know, you can go to their their website. It's, it's a, they're short, like, 20-minute little talks about a myriad of topics that, I mean, anything you could ever be interested in. Um, sometimes they're opinion-based. Sometimes they're experts in a certain field, like science or or whatever, but they're just, I think, they're fun to watch. And this past week, I watched a TED Talk. Of a former Christian musician who was no longer following the Jesus of her youth. She didn't go into the story, but it sounded like shame and, and, and things that people might have said were part of her journey that led her to where she is today. I also watched a very a myriad of, and various music videos of a different individual. And this individual showed signs of, of emotional and probably spiritual pain and, and And from what I understand, had had at some point maybe walked with Jesus. But at this point of her life, covers it up and and covers up her pain with with the lights of the show and the electricity of of what it means to be a part of the music industry. Now, both of these individuals, from what I know, have a, a history of walking with the Lord. But it seems at some point, both decided to go in a different direction. Now, it would be easy for me as a follower of Jesus, to just kind of see them and just kind of write them off and say, well, they're just, you know, not walking with the Lord. But, you know, I wonder, I wonder, how does Jesus see them? How does he see these these folks that that through something in their life, some experience, they they turn their back on him or or they, they see him now in a different way? How does the Lord see them in their life? Clearly, he sees sees their pain. You know, the reality that that I'm kind of reminded of is that someday Christ is going to return. And and the pain that that we experience on earth is going to be totally forgotten. It's going to be something that uh, that we don't even remember. He's going to wipe away our tears, Scripture talks about. He makes all things new. Maybe the idea of showing love to our neighbor is a bit overwhelming.
1: But what I want to do is,
0: we're going to sing a song now, and and to remind me, to remind us, of how Christ is going to make all things new someday, as almost maybe as an inspiration to say, okay, Lord, how do I see folks in light of what you want to do, and in light of this new eternity that we're going to be living together? So if you'd stand again, we're going to sing The Lion in the Land again. So remember those two individuals that I mentioned a few minutes ago. The reality is it's unlikely that I will ever come into contact with these two people. But they're my neighbor. Their hurt, their pain impacts me. It saddens me. It represents the lives of other people as well as they seek out this life. So who is my neighbor? Well, As as a Facebook follower, there are numerous messages that will sometimes divide the people of God. And it's easy for me to draw dividing lines that separate me from others. I'm reminded of those that those dividing lines, they are, are not the lines that God has established, but they're lines that can separate me from my neighbors. So who is our neighbor? If you've got a Bible, if you've got your phone, um, we're going to look at Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, verse 25, you're probably familiar with this story. This is the story of the Good Samaritan, I'm going to read this for us. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law, Jesus said. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went to him and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise." So we're going to look at just a couple different aspects of this passage. First, while the characters are certainly important, and while we're going to look at them very briefly, let's look at the interaction between Jesus and this expert in the law. One of the biggest challenges, I think, is I as I understand laws and interpretation, is the interpretation of those laws. In our society, we have lawyers, we have judges, we have those who interpret the law as as has been handed down by other government officials. Well, the more laws that you have, the more interpretations, the more we need to have clarification. We get the the same feeling here in this passage. This man was focused on the nuance of the law. For him, it's about the details. Who is my neighbor? As if to say, just tell me so that I can go love them and and just do my job. But that's not how love works. That's not how Jesus was trying to, to get to here. We look in John. 1 John, excuse me. Maybe. 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 through 19. Dear friends, the writer says, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we are in him, and he is in us. He has given us his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to the Savior of this world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them, and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God. There is so much meat to that passage of Scripture about love. But that last verse, we love because He first loved us. In this way, the only way the teacher can really of of the law can love his neighbor is if the love of God is in him. The only way that we can love our neighbors is when we allow the love of God to impact and to transform us. When we allow ourselves to see people as So love is not simply a a debate, it's not simply a a definition or a nuance of of who do I love. The man is looking for the details on how to express his love, when really the heart of love for others comes from a heart of love for God. So while the characters of the story are important, certainly, because they communicate something to us, the heart of, of Jesus is love, which ultimately... Comes from God himself. Think about that. This is what distinguishes us from the rest of the world. John thirteen thirty five. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. The love of Christ is what defines and, and distinguishes us from the rest of the world. The love we talk about for each other. This thing called Respiration Church, the body of Christ. The love we talk about for our spouse. The love we talk about for our children. The love we talk about for our, our church family. This love that Christ has exemplified. And so as we talk, as we think about this idea, as I think about this idea of loving my neighbor, it's also based on this love that Christ has not only exemplified for me, but that he defines here, that the scripture defines. This love of God. It's not something I can manufacture. It's not something when this man comes, well, who is my neighbor? As, as if to say, if you just define that person for me, I'll love them and I'll check the box of love my neighbor. That's not it. It's a love that only comes from Christ because I will see my neighbor and I will judge them. Because that's my that's my natural way of doing things. But when I see through Christ's eyes, when I allow the love of Christ to impact and transform me, that's what I can show his love to my neighbor, to somebody that doesn't yet know him, or somebody that might be struggling. So as we kind of continue on with this idea that it's only through Christ, that anything that we do, anything that we say, any way that we live is not a box to check, like this teacher of the law was seemingly trying to do. It's the love that is exemplified through Christ. So we're going to sing our third song here, Build My Life, as we just meditate on this, this love and this personal. let's look at some of these characters pretty quickly. First of all, we have... Um, go back to, again, this is in the Gospel of Luke. We've got these... Sorry, just trying to find it. 10, 25. So we've got the, the man, we've got robbers, we've got a priest, a Levite, a Samaritan, an innkeeper. The robbers, the victim, and innkeeper are certainly important to our story, but they're obviously not the most important. So who else is important to this story and, and to give us an understanding of, of this message that Christ wants us to hear? To get this part that, that He has called us to. So first of all, we have a priest. Now it's likely from what I'm reading that this priest was going from Jerusalem to where he had just practiced his, his role as a priest. He filled his role in the temple and he's going down. So in this sense, he's accomplished his duty, but he negates the love of Christ by not showing compassion, by not showing mercy to this man who had gotten beat. Levites served as keepers of the temple. Again, likely going from Jerusalem, uh, as as one commentary notes, that when priests and Levites were on their way to the temple, they actually traveled together. So these are traveling individuals. They're heading heading home from the temple. Uh, A religious man here who actively served in the temple. But this man, again, does not simply pass by the person and and not help him. He goes on the other side of the road. Again, somebody that has not transformed by the faith in which they practice. These two men were expected by societal standards to help, but they didn't. But who did love this man? A Samaritan. Not one in the audience that would be expected to show love. Now, love is not without boundaries, and I love this passage, I think it was a few weeks ago. Uh, we were doing Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, and this came up in some of our discussion. And then you'll see in the passage that he is not one without boundaries. He, he takes him, he bandages him up, he takes him to a local inn, he gives some money, and he says, I'll be back to check on him. So he says, he realizes he can't do everything, but he cares for him. He shows him love. He sees him he sees him as, as I think, Christ sees us. He paid for him. He continued on his journey. And what does Jesus say about this man? He says, this is love. This is the love that Christ is calling us to see people in a new perspective and in a new way. So where else do we see this this idea of neighbor in Scripture? And there's, there's a... A story in the Old Testament, in the sixth books of the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, that we, we see another story of kind of a neighbor. Now, it's different, and, and it's, it's an Old Testament story, but it's a story of a woman, and it's actually a story of a prostitute who houses spies from Israel, coming to search out the land that God had promised them. In Joshua chapter 2, verses 10 through 11, if you've got your scriptures or your, your phone, feel free to pop it open. Now, I love this because what what do we first see in this? The first thing we see of how she responds is that she has heard stories of God. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to, to Silo and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, when we heard of it, hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and on earth below. the story of God's sufficiency, the story of God's might, the story of God changes lives. We have heard, she says. I often wonder what stories do those searching for truth today hear? What stories do they place in their hearts? What stories do I get to tell? Are these stories about the goodness, about the, the grace of God, about the power of God, about the might of God, about who He is. And I think it's vitally important because stories, with stories, we express to others how God has been working in our life, how we've seen Him in the lives of others as well. Sometimes these stories you could say technique many years ago, called Three-Story Evangelism. And the idea was of, about it was, first, I have a story, so sharing my story, listening to somebody else's story, and then connecting that to God's story. And I think that's the, the beauty of, of story. not, Well then, I'm really not trusting in God, and I don't want to share that part of the story. And I used to—I str- I remember struggling with that. I remember walking um, when I was when I was deployed to Iraq. I remember walking back to my um, where I lived <laughs> from the from the uh, headquarters, from the command area. And I remember I was having a really rough day, and I remember kind of saying, "Lord." I've got these two friends that are sitting on top of this building that I'm going to go hang out with and just thinking, how, how do I express to them who you are because I'm struggling right now? How, how do I remind them and show them of, of who you are because these are things I'm struggling with? And I was, I had this idea in my in my heart, in my mind, that I had to have this, you know, everything really had to be perfect in order for me to share the story of God with other people. That God gives me, as I continue to just seek Him, even when I don't fully understand things. What are stories that others have have heard that and maybe you had the chance to share, or that you've been a part of? Stories are an important part, and I think this Rahab had heard these stories. Second, the Israelites they received her, and so the the. Read it on. It goes on to say, you know, as she put her faith in, in God, they said, okay, but you've got to you've got to put this like red cord down, and if you don't put that there, then you know you're, you're not going to make it. She said, okay, and her faith of trusting in God saved her. But then the Israelites received her. They didn't. They didn't say, no, you you're not good enough because of your of who you are, your lifestyle, because of what you do for a living. They said. They said, no. Show, show your faith by, by dropping this red cord, and, and God will save you. She wasn't rejected because of what she did. She was given an opportunity to respond in faith. And actually, in, in the New Testament, the writer of Hebrews, in chapter 30, 11, 31, says this, By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she walked the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And as James said, she expressed her faith. But the Israelites, if they had not recognized the redemptive power of God, might have dismissed her. It's easy sometimes to dismiss people when they they haven't yet experienced the saving power of God. As we sit here today, we have the opportunity to respond in faith to the one whom the nation of Israel was looking toward. The, the Old Testament was looking forward to the Messiah, looking forward to the coming one, to the, to Christ himself. And we have the opportunity to respond to that. And then we had the opportunity to share that love, that grace with our neighbors. Let's stand and sing our, our last song. And again, if you're joining us via the internet, these are posted on our sight. we're going to sing Before the Throne of God Above, I'm not sure if you've sung this before, I think it might be new, but it's not a new song, it's a hymn, but I want you to, to one of the great things about some of these hymns is they, they weave wonderful, the wonderful message of the gospel through the song, culminating with, with the person and the work of Christ, and so let's sing this together. challenges, a family member who's maybe been estranged, a co-worker maybe going through divorce, someone who's never had the chance to see the gospel in action, a person on the side of the road needing someone to come alongside and show them love. Maybe it's a person who seems untouchable. Have they ever experienced the love? What's it look like today for you, for each of us, to offer them that experience? Maybe a phone call. Maybe a meal. Maybe just saying hello. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's great. God, I thank you for today and I thank you for this passage and I thank you for the many ways shown us, love, Lord. Lord, I thank you for the many songs that express Lord, the love that you have for us, for the love that you want the world to experience, Lord, the love that you want our neighbors to experience. Lord, those neighbors maybe that live next to us, Lord, those neighbors that we see at the market each day, Lord, those neighbors that maybe we see at work, as part of the groups that we're a part of. Lord, may we be conduits of your love. Lord, to show them. Lord, may these songs remind us of the love that we've already experienced, that we get to offer back as an offering to you. Lord, bring those people in our life and remind us who they are.